This week we're talking about the sword of the spirit. And, and uh, this is Ben, he's a firefighter. And, and obviously you're not carrying swords as you go fight a fire, although that would be pretty neat. But you're not carrying a sword, but you do use an ax as you go to fight fire. So tell me the role your ax might play. Well, it's that iconic tool that every firefighter has and has learned to use from day one. It carries a lot of history with it. We typically carry a pickaxe with us because it's very versatile in everything that we can do. And we can do things from ventilating a house, forcing entry, breaking uh, locks with it, master locks. We've learned to do a lot of different skills with just the axe. And it's not so much the force that you put behind it, but if you're using the tool correctly. Yeah, so you said using the tool correctly. You're not going in there with your ax and just, just hacking at everything around you. Obviously, you have to use it purposefully as you kind of go in. You're not just swinging it because then you're gonna endanger other people. You might mess up the structure. It's not gonna help you, but you do have to use it purposefully, I would assume, right? Yeah, and we're always concerned about being in the midst of a fire, what our air levels are at. And so then we start thinking about how much energy we're using and how much air we're breathing whenever we're doing those things. And so being very tactful with how we use our tools is very important to how the outcome of that, that tool is going to be used. Well, good morning. Oh, it's great to see you, South Campus, North Campus. We love having you, our online family, both everybody in the region and around the world. It's a joy to get together, and we get together for one reason. If you happen to be new around Beltway Park, we love having you. We exist to help each other take our next steps with Jesus. I can make you a promise that no one here has arrived. We are all on a journey. We like to say it's okay not to be okay at Beltway Park, but it's not okay to stay not okay. We are on a journey towards Jesus who came to give us abundant life, and it's a joy to share this morning with you. A few years ago, I heard of an acronym that has a measure of popularity in our culture. Maybe you've heard of it, it's EDC. You know what it stands for? Everyday carry. Wikipedia defines everyday carry, and if it's Wikipedia, you know it's true, right? Y'all ought to laugh louder at that, okay? Wikipedia accurately defines everyday carry as the collection of useful items that are consistently carried on person every day. So the entire goal of everyday carry is to be, I want you to hear the word, prepared. Say prepared. The whole goal of it is to have on your person the stuff necessary for the day and the likely emergencies that are going to arrive. Now, I've never been a Boy Scout, but I love the idea of being prepared. So I began to look at common EDC, because you can actually buy EDC kits. And some of them made perfect sense to me. So like you had people who, uh, for men, you would have a wallet, you would have a pen, you would have a phone. Some of them would be radical around the world, not in Texas, they had knives. We're all used to carrying pocket knives around West Texas, etc. But some of them made no sense to me whatsoever. They got like crazy. Like several of them had bottle openers in them. And I sat there and I thought, man, I am 56 years old. I have never had a bottle opening emergency in my life. I've dealt with tens of thousands of people and no one has ever said, man, if I had only had a bottle opener that day, it would have made all the difference in the world. Never happened. Several of them actually have O-rings in them. Some of you have no idea what an O-ring is. I actually know what one is because I've needed one on occasion, but not nearly enough to carry one on my person every day. Again, I'm all for being prepared, but I think some things have gotten out of hand in the idea of marketing. And I had the thought while looking at the kits. I decided I don't need the kits. In case of emergency, all I need to do is be around a group of mothers. 
Say five of them, man. You get five mothers and their purses together, we can survive for a few days because they're gonna start pulling stuff out you never dreamed of. Food, pharmaceuticals, toiletries, they're all gonna come out of these small body bags that they call a purse. Mothers have been EDCing long before it became a deal, and all the moms said, why? Because you have to be prepared. Listen to me. Before mothers were carrying purses, before marketers were trying to promote kits, God was shouting at us. And I know when we hear the word shout, we hear anger. Don't hear anger, but do hear intensity. Hear importance. God has been imploring us that there are some things that need to be part of our person every day of our lives. Why? Because it is inevitable that we are going to face days where the enemy attacks our lives and we need to be prepared. The call is all over the Bible, but probably the place it's clearest is in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, this chapter that we've been unpacking for several weeks. So if you've missed and you wanna go back and catch up on the messages, just go online. But I want us to turn again in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter six. If you don't have a Bible with you or one on your phone that you're using, at our physical campuses underneath the chair in front of you or underneath your chair in the risers are black colored Bibles. You can get one of those and turn to page 979. If you don't have a Bible that like you can understand, I had a guy this week telling me, I said, do you have a Bible? And he goes, well, yeah, but it's like these and thous and this. And he said, I have no idea what it says. I said, we need a different Bible. And so I gave him a different Bible. You are welcome to take one of these Bibles with you. It's our gift. We just ask that you use it to take your next steps with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Say Stand. There's not a person among us, it doesn't matter if we're north or south campus, online, all of us want to live victorious lives. We may not all agree on what that looks like yet. We may not all agree on the reality of the enemy and the reality of the unseen world, but I'm telling you, we all want to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But be clear, we do wrestle. But the wrestle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now I implore you, I know the passage is intense. Do not lessen the intended um, intensity of this passage. You see, from beginning to the end, the Bible tells us reality is composed of that which we see, the material world and that which we can't see, the spiritual world. And the Bible speaks of a battle going on in the spiritual realm, a battle we've talked about in days gone by that is real and is affecting our day-to-day -day life. And let's be honest, it makes our world make sense. We look at our world and often we say, man, life just seems that it should, should be easier, right? It seems to be unnecessarily hard. We have more material wealth in our nation than any nation has ever had. We have more scientific and technological advancements than we have ever had. And yet, most of us would say the world is harder, not easier, than it has been in days gone by. It's like it's unnecessarily hard, almost as if there's someone opposing humanity. The reality of a spiritual world makes our world make sense and such. And as those at war, 
What the scripture implores us is that we have to be those who are prepared for any time the battle we might face. It's why verse 13 starts with therefore, because of the reality of the battle that we face, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Listen, the evil day talked about in verse 13 is not the general sense of the world as being difficult. It is the specific day where the enemy comes after you. There are gonna be days, moments in our lives, usually, listen to me, they're usually when we're in the weakest moment or believe it or not, after a spiritually high moment. In those moments, the enemy comes after us and it's a specific day of attack. We don't know when it's gonna happen. We don't know when it's gonna occur, but it's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. So verse 16 says, in all circumstances, if I may, every day. Every day, take up the shield of faith with which you extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Jeffrey did a masterful job last week unpacking this verse. If you missed, I really would encourage you to listen to that one. It says in verse 17, and in all circumstances, take the helmet of salvation. We talked about two weeks ago. And every day, take up the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. If we want to be truly prepared, not just talk in church, but we want the reality of spiritual preparation so that we can stand strong and be victorious when the enemy attacks. We gotta make sure that we get into God's word. And we've gotta make sure God's word gets inside of us. And I know, as soon as I say that, many of us are saying, man, we say that all the time in church. Make sure you get in the word. Make sure you know the scripture. Make sure you get into God's word and God's word gets into you. I understand we say it often, but just because we say it often doesn't make it untrue, huh? In fact, maybe the frequency of this encouragement indicates importance. And maybe we hear it all the time because it's one of those things we don't need to just talk about. We need to make it become reality. I understand the struggle. To take up the sword of the Spirit takes time. In other words, it takes energy. Energy and time go together. It takes prioritization. Most skills take time and effort, do they not? That is reality. Like, one of the things I like to do in my, as a hobby is I like to shoot shotguns. I like to shoot at targets. I like to hunt birds, things such as that. But unlike many of you who grew up in West Texas, I didn't grow up shooting a gun. Never held a gun until I moved to Abilene to be the lead pastor at Beltway. I mean, I did like the Red Rider BB thing um, gun as a kid, stuff like that, but I never really held a gun. And I can remember the first time I held it, I was like 32 years old. And I was really nervous. And when you're holding a gun and you're nervous, everybody around you is really nervous at the same time. I felt awkward putting it up on my shoulder, putting my head on the stock, all the things you're supposed to do. Man, I felt so awkward. And I'd love to tell you, though, I was this natural prodigy. And I became the finest of shooters in just a moment. That was not true. I was terrible. Utterly, absolutely terrible. But as of recent, in the last few years, I've actually shot a shotgun some. My wife would probably use the word a lot. And as I've done that, guess what? I've become better, better, and better. Now, I'm not the best of shooters by any means, but I'm a lot better from when I started. And I can tell you this, holding a shotgun, mounting a shotgun, moving a shotgun towards a target feels very, very natural to me. Like it's just kind of an extension of my purpose. How did it happen? Time. Energy. All the things I could choose as a hobby and be a part of, 
is something I enjoy and I prioritized it. Now, let's be honest. Shooting a shotgun has no bearing on the overall value of life. Taking up the sword of the Spirit may be the difference between victory or defeat. It is foundational in our lives. And that's what the Scripture is imploring us to do. Take up. Make sure you have time. Make it a priority. Give it energy. Take up the sword of the Spirit. And it is the Word of God. The image here is actually that of a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier who's fully armed has a sword on their person every day. Now you can imagine that when a Roman soldier is brand new and they pick up a sword for the first time, probably a little nervous. When they begin to try to wield it in one-on-one battle against another person, even a mock battle, it's going to feel awkward. They're not going to be very good at it, but they're going to do it more and more in their life. And as they do it more and more, they have somebody show them what to do. Every day that they wield it, every day they work with it, they're going to get stronger and stronger as they invest time, as they invest energy, as they make it a priority to take up their sword. According to history, Roman soldiers not only carried their sword every day, they practiced with their sword every day. Hours upon hours they would practice. They didn't wait until they thought they might need it to try to get it because they knew reality. I'm going to battle. I'm a soldier. It's going to happen. What they didn't do is like go to a place of battle and the night before think, huh, I bet I ought to learn how to use this. Hey, bud, can you teach me how to use the sword real quick so I'll be okay in battle? No, they knew it was coming in their life, and they knew the way they used it might be the difference between life or death, victory or defeat. Before they ever got close to a battle, they did what they had to do to be, what's the word? Prepared. To be able to not only wield, but wield well the weapon that they have. Very much like a firefighter with an ax. Deep down, we get this, don't we? We know that things that are life-giving, things that are valuable, they take time, they take energy, they take priority in our lives to really make them true of our lives. But we live in a culture that tells us the opposite. We live in a culture that all the time says you can get these great valuable skills in life quickly and easily. If you don't believe me, go home. You don't get to do it right now. Go home and Google weight loss. And see what is marketed weight loss. What you're not going to see marketed is, well, it's going to take you changing your diet significantly. You're going to have to exercise, and it's probably going to take you a year or two. That's not at the top of the Google search engine. What's at the top of the Google search engine? Take a pill. And when you take this pill, you'll never have to change your diet. You won't have to change your, at, your habits at all. The fat is just going to melt off of your body with you doing absolutely nothing. 25 pounds, 20, 25 days, we give you a money-back guarantee. Just take the pill. And we know deep down it ain't true. But we buy the pills anyway. Why? Because we want it to be true. We want to believe that you can master a musical lesson in 10 easy lessons. We want to believe that you can retire at the age of 35 with little or no risk and be utterly wealthy. We want to believe this idea of the quick and the easy even though we know it's not true. That which is life-giving, listen to me, that which is ultimately value, time, energy, priority in life. You want to wield the sword? Time, energy, priority. I got no shortcut. 
I know a lot of Jesus followers who first thing you man, I'm gonna read the word. I'm gonna get in it. And we go for like three weeks. Like, I don't see a lot of difference yet. I don't see a lot of change. It's like people going to the gym. Happens all the time, January. I promise you, y'all all show up in the gym in January. Everybody's got, we call you the resolutions, by the way. All the resolutions are here. They're taking their the equipment. They're doing all this stuff. But no worry. They'll go and go away in about three weeks. And all the gym will be back to where it normally is. Why? You know what happens in three weeks? All you get is sore. But you don't see the change you want because the change doesn't happen quickly or easily. It takes time in life. If you want to be strong on the day of evil, if you want to be able to stand, listen to me, you got to be in the word. You gotta somehow make it a priority. You gotta make it a focus in your life. You've got to invest time and energy. You've gotta make it a priority in life. We've gotta get in God's word and we've gotta get God's word in us. We have to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Listen to me, that is what Jesus did. And I just suspect if Jesus did that, we need to do it. See, if you go this week and you read, let's say the end of Matthew, you're gonna find that Jesus was baptized. Saying to the Father, I am going to do what you've called me to do. When Jesus entered into the water of baptism, I think he took his first step to the cross. I think he had a revelation of what he was going to do, and he says, Father, I submit to you, and I'll do what you want me to do. That's what baptism represents. Chapter four, verse one. Then, right after he told God, I'm gonna do this, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be Tempted by the devil. This verse never makes a coffee mug. We never hang it on the wall because we don't want the Spirit leading us into this place. But if I may, the Spirit led him into the day of evil because there's a deep work that God wanted to do in his life. After fasting, 40 days and 40 nights, you know what fasting means? No food. What's the longest you've ever gone without food? Mine's a lot shorter than 40. I'm gonna tell you that, like four, one-tenth. And after 40 days, he was hungry. That is an understatement, right? And it means that he was at the moment of maybe greatest weakness that he had ever had in his human existence. And when he is at his moment of greatest weakness, the tempter came. It's exactly what he does. said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written. Say, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this happens two more times. The enemy tempts him. He tempts Jesus and says, man, well, you're really gonna do life God's way if it causes you pain and discomfort, or you can just turn the stone into bread and do it your way. Will you trust that God's plans for your life are better than your plans? Or what you could do is throw yourself off the temple, make God prove himself to you again and again. Will you worship only God? Even if that means your reward is way off in the distance and you have to wait by faith for that reward or you could worship me now, big boy, and I'll give you everything you want right now. And each time Jesus was tempted, hear me, every time he faced the day of evil, a well-timed attack of the enemy in a moment of weakness, how did he respond? It is written, the spirit of God in him, the same spirit that lives inside of each of us as followers of Jesus, the spirit of God pulled from up within him from the arsenal of the word of God and deployed it in the moment of attack. It's actually shown in the original language. In the original language, the idea of the word, hear the, the term, 
the word, is actually multiple Greek words for that. It's logos and rhema. Both are translated word, but there's different usages. In Ephesians chapter six, when we said we gotta get God's word in us and us in the word of God, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the what? Word of God is actually the word for rhema. One teacher says it well. In Ephesians 6, 17, the term word is a translation of rhema. The specific spoken word of God given to us by the spirit of God to do close hand-to-hand combat with the lies and deceptions of the enemy. God applies his word by making the word logos alive and active in our specific situation. So think of this. Think of the B-1 bomber. We all around here in Abilene, we love Dias Air Force Base, right? Somebody give a shout out for the men and women of Dias Air Force Base. All that they do, we love it. We appreciate everyone and all the assignments that you have. We think of the B-1 bomber. The B-1 bomber can carry a payload of X number of bombs. I have no idea what that is. For some reason, they don't trust me with that knowledge. I don't get that. But I don't know, I guess it's probably different makeups of different bombs, et cetera. It can carry, if I may, an arsenal. But there's a difference between carrying the arsenal and deploying the bombs in a specific situation where they are needed, where they're strategic. So the arsenal is like the logos. The logos of God is our arsenal. It's our stockpile of the weapon of the word of God. You say, how do I get the arsenal? You engage the word of God regularly in your life. You do it at a personal level. You read it, you study it, you meditate on it, you do it at a group level, you discuss it, you interact with it in life, and it becomes something that's inside of you more and more. But the rhema of God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is the deployment of that weapon into a specific situation when the enemy attacks. If I may, it is to say where you say, it is written. It's when that little thing pops up on the computer screen and you're one click away from a journey. And there's a part of you that wants to go in that moment of temptation, but you declare, it is written. I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not lust after another woman. It is when you're in that difficult situation and you're at that place tempted to despair, tempted to curse God, but you declare, it is written. And we know that in all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And you want to know how I know that enemy? For God did not spare his own son, but willingly gave him up for us all. If he did that, how will he not also graciously take care of everything I have in life? It is written. And that thing begins to rise up inside of you. The sword of the spirit is the truth that comes forward in a moment of attack. That the spirit of God raises up from within you. Why? Because you're carrying it on your person every day. Here's the struggle. If we don't have the arsenal, if we don't have God's word in us, we have nothing to deploy on the day of evil. Jesus had the arsenal. It is written. Question, how did Jesus get the arsenal? See, the natural thought right now is, well, when Jesus was on the earth, he was fully God and fully man. If he was fully God, then he wrote the Bible, so therefore he knew the whole Bible. Now, it's true he was fully God and he was fully man. However, I don't think it's true that while he was on the earth, he lived in his godness. Though fully God while on the earth, Jesus lived completely as we're supposed to live, completely as a human. How do I know that? Well, the first temptation, turn stone into bread. Why is that a temptation? What's wrong with turning a stone into a piece of bread when you're hungry? The temptation wasn't the stone to bread, it was that God had not directed him to turn the stone into bread. He chose to live as a human, submitted and surrendered to the Father. And then he's 40 days, 40 nights as a human, hungry, 
And the enemy says, hey, you know you got this side of you that you can just turn the stone into bread, dude. Just do it. And he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but from what? Every word that comes from God that directs my life, that's how I'm supposed to live. It's why Jesus was given the spirit of God. The way we're supposed to live, Jesus lived just like us, full of the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus know it is written on the day of evil? He had spent his life making sure he was in the word of God. And the word of God was in him. It says of Jesus' early life, and Jesus increased. Say increased. He grew in what? Wisdom. You know what wisdom is? It is the knowledge and application of the word of God. So Jesus, just like us, had to grow in the knowledge and the application of the word of God. He grew in stature. He grew up like everybody does, but he had to increase in wisdom. And he didn't have all the tools we have. He didn't have a phone that had the app on it that you could read your Bible anytime you wanted. He didn't have the audio versions of the Bible that you can choose from. You can choose from a great British voice because we think those accents are cool or James Earl Jones reading it or whoever. He didn't have all those options. He didn't have the ability to podcast any sermon out there from the greatest preachers um, in the world and I know I don't make that list. You could have said something right there. <laughs> Threw me a bone, something. Said, no, pastor, you're up there. You're like in the top 40 of my podcast. So yeah. He didn't have all those options. You know what he had? He had a synagogue every week. They didn't even have the Bible written down for everyone. They had one copy in his village. It was in the synagogue. They would read it and they would talk about it all week. He'd go back next week. They'd read it and talk about it all week. And he made it a priority in his life so that when the day of evil come, guess what? It is written as a human who knew he was gonna be attacked by the enemy, and that enemy is ruthless. He not only wants to steal, wants to destroy, he wants to kill. Jesus knew that the day of evil was coming, so he made sure that he was in God's word, and God's word was in him so that he could stand firm in the day of evil. And it's why it feels like in Ephesians 6, you've got a father yelling at you out of concern and out of love for your life because he wants you and I to stand strong. Listen to me, I ache for that to be true of our lives. I understand that all these messages have been intense and there's a, a passion behind them and such. I just want you strong in the Lord. Hear me. I want you strong in the Lord. I will stand with you as much as I can stand with you, but some people are getting the tar beat out of them unnecessarily because we need to take up the whole armor of God in our lives. I want us victorious on the day of the evil. And I know reality, and reality is I can't preach us into the whole armor of God. As much as I want to, I can't do it. You could come every week, and no one comes every week. I work here, and I don't come here every week. You could listen to every message we do over the course of 52 weeks, and it will not be enough for the day of evil. It'll help. It's a tool. We absolutely need to be part of this, but there's got to be more. There's got to be ways that we engage the word of God. I'm telling you, with all that's going on in our society right now, the age of information, there's just stuff coming at our heads all the time. So much information, so many ideologies, so many philosophies, so many theologies. More than any time in Christian history, I believe it's imperative that we are a people that have got to know the book. We've got to get in the word and get the word inside of us because the day of evil is coming. And when it happens, we can say, no, it is written. 
I will stand here, for this is the truth. You want to take up the shield of faith? Get in the word. It'll build faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You want the helmet of salvation? You have your mind transformed. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will in life. It comes from the word of God. It is key in life. It is imperative that it happens. But here's the reality. I don't have a quick and easy answer for you. I don't have a one hour a week kind of answer. It's got to be a priority in our lives. What I've discovered is this. I know that regular habits, routine disciplines over an extended period of time bring growth and strength. And that is probably the most un-American statement you can ever make. But that's what we need to walk in so that we can be a strong people. And one of the reasons we exist as a church, remember, we exist to help each other take our next step with Jesus. We want to create, a, create opportunities for that to happen. One thing we do every fall is we do what we call a spiritual growth campaign. It's a time where we get a little bit more intense and we do a little bit more to try to develop these habits in our lives that are gonna bring growth and strength so that we can stand strong. We are going to start our spiritual growth campaign in three weeks, okay? This one is called The Restful Life. I am telling you, this is gonna be amazing. Listen to the invitation. The world, including most of the church, is working hard in order to find peace and rest. That's why we see a constant cycle of restlessness around us. But we were designed to work from a place of rest. Catch that. Rest and work actually go together. We were designed to work from a place of rest, fully secure in our identity as children of God. The resting place is found in intimacy in the, with the Father, where his family members experience complete acceptance, extravagant love, and from that knowledge, we work, listen to me, from God, not for God. We work from what he has done, not for what he can give us. The resting place is there, available from God, anywhere, including Abilene, your family, your dorm room, your workplace. The resting place is there, and we work from that, and it will make all the difference in the world. It's an utterly different way of living life, and something inside of you is saying yes to that right now. Like, I need to be a part of that. I want you to fully engage. Here's how you engage. It's real simple. If you've been around here, you know what we do. I need you to do four things. Say four. Some of you aren't sure you want to even say it, right? So I'm not committing to anything yet. Four things for eight weeks. Say eight. Now, you old timers are going, hey, hey, the old ones were six weeks. I know, we're getting radical. We're going like two more weeks here. I need you to do four things. Listen carefully. I need you to attend every service. You like say eight in a row. Yes. Eight in a row. You have options galore. We have Plus Thursday, our first service of the weekend. It's, we start on Thursday night. It's live. It's full worship, full children's ministry, everything. First service of the weekend. We have five services on Sunday at two locations, two at our South Campus starting next weekend. We will have three. I want you to be part of it. And then, in a pinch, we have our online campus. I need you to listen to me. I love the fact that we have an online campus. I love that we have an online family because for some people, it is all that they can get to. I've got people who tell me they're deployed in the military, they're here, there. This is all I can do. This is all I've got. And if it's all you have, use it. But I'm gonna tell you as honestly and I know how to tell you, fully engaging online is far more difficult than being in person. And some of you have tried it and you know 
fully engaging, really growing is far better in person. I want to encourage you, if you're in the big country and if you can all make it, you need to make it a priority to be in person. We say it this way, online campus is a great plan A if it's your only plan. It's a great plan B when you have a better plan A. It's good for a pinch. I want you to attend every service. Next one, be part of a group. If you want the word of God in you, discussing purposely the word of God as community will do so much to get that in you. We have community groups all over. We start lots of them during the season. If you're not in a group, come to the launch party. We want everyone to come to the launch party, but specifically if you're not in a group, come next Sunday night. We've got the whole zoo to ourselves. We've got all sorts of activities going on there. We will help you get in a group. And the cool thing is the author of our book, who's also a friend of ours, he has done a set of videos for us that we're gonna use in our group. We will not post them online. We will not share them on social media. The only way you can be part of that and see what Leif Hetland shares with us is to be in a group, and it is going to be incredible because I've already seen them, and they're awesome. Leads to a third thing. I know. I want you to read a book, and some of you are going, dude, really, really? You got eight weeks. The book is called to reign. If you trust me in any level, I have read thousands of books. That is not an exaggeration. This is one of the best books I've ever read. It is a great book for a way to live life. It did more for me than almost anything I've ever been a part of. I can't encourage you. I've read it multiple times. I look forward to reading it again. The way we do books, next week, we will have book tables all over our physical campuses. They are also available from Amazon. You have digital versions. You have um, physical versions. There is no audio book. But if you really have to have an audio book, come to the physical campus. We're going to give you a cheat. We actually know how you can listen to it on audio, even though there's not an audio version. See, that's how much we love you. And so we want you to grab hold of one of these. We give the books for what they cost us. We suggest a donation of $10. If you can give $10, give $10. If $10 is a problem, just take a book. And some of us are gonna say, I can give more than $10. I'll help other people who need a book. And what happens is we give enough money, it covers all our books. We've been doing it for years and it's okay. We want everybody to have a book. And then the last thing, invite a friend. The world is hungry for a different way to live life. There is a peace that transcends understanding that we can live from. That's the promise of God. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So that's the way we work. That's the way we live. So rest is not just inactivity. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So it is possible to do life and live at rest at the same time. That's what we're going to journey into, and I encourage you, you need to be a part of that. Now, before we go, I want everybody, North Campus, South Carolina, I just want you to bow your heads. And I just want you to ask the Lord right now, how do I get in the Word, and how do I get it in me? I want, I promise you, I'll make you this promise. I'll do my part to be as strong as I can be so I can be as effective as I know how to be in here and in my own life, I promise you that. But as much as I wanna be strong for you, I really ultimately can't do it. I can stand with you, I can labor with you, and we in our community, in our groups, we can stand with each other, but ultimately there's a measure of responsibility on each one of us that I can't take from you. Some of us just need to say, I need to start, I, need, I just like need to read some of the Bible. Okay, start in the New Testament, start in Matthew tomorrow. 
Get up early, stay up late. I don't care. I'm going to read a chapter. Don't overstate how much you're going to do. You're not going to go from zero to whole books of the Bible in one day kind of thing. Do a chapter. Take baby steps and let's just start growing. Just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? And you say yes to it. Or ask the Lord to show you what you can do, how to get the word in you. And then now, I, I am very confident that the Father has shown us that we as a church body are supposed to go on this spiritual journey. I'm asking you to join us. You can say yes right now. I know it's a step of faith for many of us. Just say yes. Some of you are not even part of our church. You're visiting. That's okay. Join up for eight weeks. You don't have to stay part of our church. There's great churches in our town, and maybe God will have you be part of another one. Maybe you're supposed to be part of this for this journey. We'd love to have you. Some of you are from out of town. Some of you are online. We're going to be working to get our online people in part of groups. You can get a book. You can, you can engage as much as possible. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that you've given us the gift of your word. It's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It is inspired of you and useful for correction, for teaching, for rebuking, for building, so that the man and woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for everything life has to throw at them. Now, in this culture with so much going on, give us a grace to invest the time, energy, and priority we need to get the word in us so that we can stand strong and so that we can be strong for others. I rebuke the lies of the enemy right now that say that we have an inability to learn God's word. It's a lie because your spirit in, in, in us is gonna enable each one of us to learn, to grow. Give us grace to believe that now, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.